This is Brian Wade of Blue Suede Cartoons, and you're listening to the Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to the Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today we have the Jedi Master Ross. Hi. We also have the Dark Lord of the Sith, CBS. I'm not the one dressed like Bill Belichick. Ross. No. I don't know who that is, by the way. He's your master. And then we have the Medium Lord of the Salad Bar, Rob. Hey, hey. <laughs> you also know who Bill Belichick is. I do know who Bill And you serve is. him at the Salad Bar. <laughs> Maybe. You definitely do. I don't know what that guy's rocking salads. Mm, that's questionable. Yeah. It's one of those all-you-need salad bars, you know, buffet style. Oh, I get you. It's a salad bar by name, and that's all. <laughs> he's, he's rocking, like, a little bit of lettuce with some macaroni on top. <laughs> Heck yeah. That's how Bill Belichick builds a win. I'm <laughs> nice. Lettuce, oh. macaroni, lettuce, pasta, de- defense, I guess. Mm, <laughs> maybe. Brady, go get my car waxed. All right. Oh, <laughs> I don't think Tom Brady does anything like no, that. Probably, probably he gets his eyebrows waxed, probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, somebody's a winner. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, oh, welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Uh, today we are doing episode number 98. <laughs> oh, yeah. So today we're going to be doing uh, issue 2 of the Inhumans... Once and Future King. Thanks, Wells. Which is a ridiculous title. Yeah, five-part miniseries. It's issue two of that. Yeah. Uh, we'll be doing a retcon. So I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. Issue one from Image Comics. And then uh, Teen Titans, number 12 from the illustrious DC Comics. And uh, a brief overview of uh, Action Comics number 987. And uh, then we got an uh, interview with Rags Morales from the uh, Colorado Springs Comic Con. Uh, and during that, Rags actually goes over the uh, Armory Wars series kind of a lot, so that's pretty cool. So if you want to know about Armory Wars, stick around, because the dude talks it up. I mean, he's working on the current series, so that helps. But awesome dude, totally legit. Like, straight up dude. It's fun to talk to. Anyhow, uh, let's see. Is there any news from Ross? And a dog bow? God damn it. <laughs> there's definitely a dog pile. I don't know if there's any news, though. Yeah, we're actually, uh, we'll actually be in the dog pile. Currently in the dog pile, that's true. So, you know, if you hear dog-like sounds, that's probably just news happening. Yeah, it's got to happen somewhere. <laughs> so it might as well happen Picture. in the pile. Yeah. Just get a typewriter. <laughs> They don't have fingers. That's true. It's true. Oh man, Jack's a dog. I don't know why people are sliding. They didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Right, it doesn't. Uh, So, well, I guess there is. I mean, there's a little bit of news, but it's mostly like weird movie news and weird stuff coming out of random interviews from people. So, who knows how much of it's true? I mean, there's talk of a uh, third Gremlins movie. According to uh, according to the man who played Billy in the movies, um, are, are they actually talking to Billy, or are they talking to Billy to play like his father? Like, no, no. The way he made it sound, it was a direct sequel. 
Okay. Just years later. So how that works, no idea. But, again, it's like one of those things, like, who knows if it'll ever actually be a thing or if it's just, like, somebody had an idea and they're like, let me throw some money at ideas and then all of a sudden people started talking. So who knows? But that's what he made it sound like. That's what he said to me and then to a room full of random people. So Yeah, that's cool. Interesting. Yeah, it's actually interesting news. I mean, compared to what we're seeing with so many relaunches and reboots. Yeah. Now, kind of interesting. I think we talked about this. Uh, I don't know if we talked about it on the show, though, hmm. because there's the Karate Kid show as well. I'm pretty sure we talked about it, but okay. yeah, um, uh, William, man, I don't remember his last name, Johnny from the Karate Kid was saying that the uh, Cobra Kai show, which is going to be on YouTube Red, is supposed to be out next, I think, June, is what he said. Uh, but yeah, as far as the show, I mean, it's a continuation from the movies. And with same cast, because at this point, Macho and him are both supposed to be in it. And as far as setup, it's supposed to follow Johnny in the later years, like reopening the Do- Cobra Kai dojo and trying to make a go at it or whatever, but back in the hometown that him and Russo are from. Well, maybe not Russo because he moved there, but, you know, yeah, same concept. Uh, I'm super pumped for it, and he seemed pretty pumped for it, too, so that's cool. See, that's the thing. Like, That's the reason I brought it up. Is I, I actually heard another show that was talking about it, and they were immediately like flagging it as being terrible. And like, oh, what a terrible idea. Nobody wants to see this. Like, you know, all these reunions for big bands. Like, if you care about it, you want to see it. Like, I'm pumped for the idea of like a, a return to the Karate Kid storyline, yeah. you know? And I, I think it's cool to go back and actually have the actors come back and do the movie instead of trying to reboot it. You know, I mean, it's not a popular opinion, but I, I we all know Hollywood's not out of ideas. They're just out of the idea of, of putting films out that they don't already have a successful track record with. Right. And that's why we're getting all these reboots. Successful following. And yeah. it's, not, it's not a reboot. I mean, it's a continuation, just like the whole Fuller House thing. Yeah. Not that I'm endorsing the Fuller House, but those ladies are pretty. And I see Fuller House is the exact opposite of me. I didn't care about Full House to begin with. Right. And I actively hated that character on the show. So, like, I had no desire to ever see that. The older sister. I could have... She was probably the least interesting of all the people in the show to me. Like <laughs> she wasn't Uncle Jesse Stamos. That's true. That's true. You know, I mean, I I much rather would have had the comedian guy have his own show than ever have that. And, but I mean, it would be like doing a spinoff with just Bob Saget, just just the dad <laughs> Saget. You know, like it, it's a terrible. It was a terrible idea. I don't know why anybody thought that was a good choice, but. Who knows? I guess, you know, Will and Grace is going to come back out and people are excited, so I guess people have You like what you like. Sometimes. On a very similar note to those things. Okay. They did announce that, well, they announced a while back there was going to be a new Halloween movie next year. Okay. And today they announced that Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back as... As uh, the sister? As, yeah, as her, <clears throat> as her character. One more time, as the sister? Yeah, yeah, as her character... The very last time she'll ever play that character. Interesting. I wonder if we can get uh, LL Cool J back, though. Because I think he survived. I think he survived. <laughs> Are you talking H2O. about Buster Rhymes? Was it Buster Rhymes or yes. LL Cool J? H2O was Buster Rhymes. Oh, damn. <laughs> can we get Buster Rhymes back? Did he die in that no. movie? No. No. Surprisingly Because Buster Rhymes is bulletproof? He wanted to be a writer, I think, is what it was. Probably. Can we get Buster <laughs> Rhymes back? I'm just saying. 
I he tried to what he quaff kick, you know, that DJ character from uh Street, Street Fighter. Fighter. Street Fighter two. Did that back kick with the big foot where his foot changed shape sort of. It changed shape by mistake, I mean that's how it was animated. But it was like a quaff kick and it kinda of made that quaffy noise. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you have to go back in time and play that game. Or find it on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what he did. He did that to Michael Myers after he thought Michael Myers was another dude that was not supposed to be there dressed up in the costume he was wearing. It was sweet. <laughs> did you guys see that movie? I know you saw it. I, I yeah, I saw it. All right. H2O? Come I think on. I own it. I don't know if I've watched it. Well, you, you should watch it. I mean, it, it was <laughs> supposed to be important because it was... She was back in it. Jimmy yeah. Curtis was in it. And, yeah. of course, we had Buster Rhymes in it. So. Yeah. No, yeah. well, I'm sold. I'll watch it. There you go. It, I can't say it's a great addition. But <laughs> you'll listen to Rob. I probably would have watched it at some point yeah. regardless. So. Still, well, now you got to watch it because of Buster Rhymes. It's true. I mean, that's just how it is. Now that you know, no, he's had to battle J. Joe. How, how likely is it that it gets made, though? I mean, right now, the... Oh, it's already being made. It's coming out next year. Okay. Yeah, it's, so, so it's not like Jason. A, no, we're just going to get a cancellation here pretty soon. Yeah, it's it's a hundred percent. They have a date. I think October eighteenth next year. Nice. So, yeah. that's what I like to hear. Universal is putting it out. Yeah, it makes okay. sense too. Are they trying to wrap that into the Universal Monsters movies? No, no he's I not. Doubt that. No. He's not. No, Captain Kirk is not a normal monster. <laughs> that's true. It's Captain Kirk. Although he probably slept with most of them. Oh, <laughs> telling you, definitely the, the werewolf. This new Star Trek, new Star Trek show should have been Kirk's Bastards <laughs> as this move forward with it. But no, we had to do something stupid. Okay, let's move on to books, Rob. <laughs> that was all. digresses any farther. Yeah, this is what happens when you're in the dog pile. You get all the news, even if it's not worth. Hearing. <laughs> you didn't want to know? Guess what you're getting today. Well, in particular, that's the news that you get. Yeah. Yes. You know. Sometimes you don't, you don't ask for it, but you get it. It's a gift. All right. So we're going to go ahead and start with Inhumans, Once and Future King, number two. Um, cool thing for this is it's being written by Christopher Priest with art by Phil Noto. Which, I mean, Phil Noden occasionally does full books. Yeah, no, he's awesome. He's been doing the Poe Dameron series. Yeah. Christopher Priest has been writing the uh, Deathstroke series over uh, for DC from Rebirth. So, good stuff, yeah. Yeah. Both. So, basically what this book is about, and um, it's kind of sad because maybe this should have been something that they led with when they were trying to do their big inhuman revitalization stuff here in the last year, but um, this is going back to before Black Bolt and the royal family has been completely established, and it's going to kind of first show the the first times a lot of these characters meet, but it's also going to be building out the Nameless King, which was the guy who was in charge before Black Bolt and his group took over. Um, the tricky thing is that it's not really that clear what year this is <laughs> in the story. I don't think they really did a good job of even showing us that uh, in the first issue. Yeah, but timeline-wise, the humans have been around for a while, and even yeah. as a people, they don't age the same way. No, uh, the, the whole reason I bring it up is it's, it's got to be somewhere in what Marvel would deem the 60s, because we encounter, we encounter some characters before they become supervillains, and that's the only reason I bring it up. 
But, um, yeah, it's, it's neat that we get to kind of see these characters as they evolve. And the Nameless King was a character I think was completely made up a few years ago for the Uncanny Avengers story. Or no, I, I guess the Mighty Avengers story, actually. When they wanted to actually, like, build a little bit of history for the Inhumans. Um, but as we, as we delve into the story, we're starting to see where Maximus starts losing it and why you know, he earns his title as the man. We get an encounter, um, like a young lockjaw, and of course, uh, bringing Medusa before she becomes the queen that we'll have later. And they're slowly integrating the rest of them because we're gonna have Triton and Gorgon show up here before long in this issue. But most of the meat of this story is dealing with what they call the Alpha Primates. Now, Alpha Primates were something that, in the Inhumans, used to be kind of the grunt military force and the kind of slave labor force of the Inhumans. The idea was that if you got Triagen missed and it failed, you basically became like this kind of subhuman monkey man. The idea was that the uh, unnamed king felt that these people were not real people anymore and that they should be just glad that they live as slaves. This bolsters a rebellion amongst the Alpha Primates, which they thought was impossible because the Alpha Primates shouldn't have the cognitive factor to be like militarized against the, the ruling class. Well, yeah, just like any subgroup, they're always underestimated, so it leads to chaos. Yeah. Um, as the story unfolds, though, we have... Um, Maximum and Maximus, I'm sorry, and Black Bolt both kind of save the the unnamed king, and that leads us to finding this Alpha Primate that is very educated. He starts kind of whispering in their ear the idea that because they saved the king, he's now been dishonored by them, and that he's going to find some way to root them out or to kill them so that he can hold on to his power and he doesn't have to look like he needed somebody else to uh, help Protect him. him yeah. Yeah. Save him. And so the interesting thing is, is that while we're hearing that on Black Bolt's side, and Black Bolt and this Alpha Primate, along with Maxima, and now Medusa have all been whisked away to the New York City, which is to them kind of like a primitive... Sort of, sort of place. Um, they're kind of learning how society over there is, is different than the society that uh, the Inhumans are used to, and we're kind of learning more about this Alpha Primate who evidently escaped control and went off and like educated himself and has gone through college and has uh, really built something for himself. So he's like a prime example that the Alpha Primates have more capacity than than they've been told to. Um, he's trying to get Black Bolt and the gang to kill the unnamed king. And so he, there's a lot of, like, political things kind of going on in here. You know, you have Posture, him, like, yeah, set up stuff. You have him basically telling him, like, oh, you're not safe with the king, or the unnamed king, because he's going to kill you guys for saving him. While at the same time, like, he's trying to tell him, like, well, you should kill him first. But uh, kind of one of the neat things that was in this particular issue is that we meet the wizard before he'll become the wizard, which it's uh, Bentley 
uh, one of the fearsome four that used to fight the old Fantastic Four. Uh, actually, super genius. Just, you know, once he realized he had a tumor in his brain, went crazy. <laughs> but we kind of get to see him play a part in this. He's actually developed a, neur a neuralizer that will deactivate the Inhumans' abilities. And he's trying to give them this weapon to, to take out the Unnamed King so that you know, they can they can take over and, and in theory bring in a new uh, era of of peace for the Inhumans and like, I guess make the Alpha Primates not slaves. But it kind of makes you wonder like what everybody's motives really are in this. Sure. Um, and actually, as you kind of listen to the Unnamed King, he's actually saying all the right things. So it's kind of hard to say whether or not he really wants to kill Black Bolt and Maximus. Because every time that's brought up to him, he's like, well, there's no threat to them. They are, they're going to be the king. You know, they're the rightful rulers. Once I'm gone, or once I step down, they're, they're already the next in line. So there's no reason to kill me. There's no threat from them, because they're already the next in line. Why would you even, why would that even be a thing? But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a really neat set up for a story that builds a lot of personality for each of these characters, and every time that I've seen the Inhumans, they've already have all that uh, relationship stuff finished. Like, the, the royal family is completely knit together, and we never really saw an origin for them, I think. Not anything in the modern books, no. Like, um, when they first showed up, they were already a group. So yeah. I think even from the beginning, Black Bolt was connected to Medusa. Yeah. And so, I, I don't remember anything before that, but, I mean, that's like 70s Roger going, question. Yeah, you're going way back, and, you know, the Inhumans, you know, you're going way back to a specialty niche. But um, it's, it's cool to see all these characters as they build up, and they actually just introduced Karnak in this one as well. So, if for whatever reason you passed over um, Inhumans, Once and Future King, really take a second look, because it's actually becoming a really impressive story, and I mean, the artwork for it, of course, is fantastic. Um, it was one that I originally was going to, to skip on, and I'm really glad that I picked it up, so uh, I'd probably, if I was going to go ahead and rate it, I'd probably give it a 3.5, I'd say. I was mm -hmm. actually really impressed with it, so. It's pretty. Alright. Uh, Mr. Ross? Mm, I'll see with Rob. Give it 3.5. Okay. I know. Small bonus for the Lockjaw <laughs> bonus story. Yeah, that is true. Uh, the Lockjaw bonus stories have been ridiculous. They've had them in both the first and the second issue here. Mm -hmm. One of them being basically like the, uh, the thing trying to play fetch with Lockjaw, which is kind of ridiculous. You're throwing awesome. some things as a dog that can teleport. <laughs> I think it ultimately wound up being like the thing throwing a tree around the world and it just hitting him in the back of the head. <laughs> this one has even a crazier story. If if you can think of a crazier story than, you know, trying to play fetch with a dog that can teleport worlds. In this particular issue, we wind up having uh, Wolverine facing off against Psycho Man, which, if you don't know who he is, look him up. He's ridiculous. But basically, he controls people's emotions. So he's attacking them all, and he's trying to get, you know, all the citizens in the mall to attack Wolverine. 
That's a Lockjaw's home way of uh, stopping him is to teleport in kittens. <laughs> so every time they start getting angry, he just teleports in more kittens to break down people's uh, Their need for hate. Yeah. You know? Until Wolverine attacks him, cuts his arm off, and then Wolverine asks, of course, the, the question that they should have never asked. Where is he getting all these damn kittens from? <laughs> Which means he teleports him to the dimension that is all kittens. <laughs> And Wolverine has a secret urinal at the very end where he can no longer face the world knowing that there's a world full of kittens. <laughs> Makes perfect it's like, sense. It's like the most ridiculous uh, backup story ever. So, like, awesome. You have a, a pretty darn serious book and then the backup story is just ridiculous. And at least it's ridiculous in a very funny way so far. So You're right. It was, it was good to note the Lockjaw <laughs> miniseries story. Right on. Like, book-wise... I love Phil Noto. I, I, I think his art is fantastic. Anytime he does covers, anytime he does interiors, I, the dude is just awesome. I think he's a great artist. Um, story-wise, the I mean, story seems pretty strong. Um, I give it a four, but I, I love I love that art. That's 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 why I would score a little higher, simply because of the artist. Well, on the other end, is he actually did the character designs for all the young Inhumans in the book too? So right, which is really cool. It's a bonus too because it's just really really good. Mm-hmm. That's that's the main reason why. But yeah, entertaining-wise, it's interesting. It's a five-part series, so it's not like it's going to last super long. But because it's a flashback story or a prequel-type story, you're also getting ground that... I don't know if the only reason it's happening is because of the show happening, but at least it's interesting. It's not a, not a copy of something else. Yeah. At least not anything that hasn't happened since the 70s. So I guess if you're current on your early 70s in humans, then maybe you don't need it. I guess. It's, it's possible. But, I mean, for me, the nice thing is that it kind of humanizes the royal family a little bit more. And so, hopefully, if you haven't been reading Inhumans, who knows? Maybe this will actually sell you on them, and you'll, you'll start really liking those characters. Right. All right. Let's uh, go on to uh, Retcon from uh, Image Comics. This is issue number one. Uh, written by uh, Matt Nixon, and the art is by uh, Toby Cypress. Which Toby did some of the art for uh, Blue Estate, which if you're a follower of the show, or at least an early follower, uh, we reviewed Blue Estate a couple times. Uh, it was a story written by a Russian and dealt with like inner Hollywood turmoil. Good stuff. I mean, at this point, it's over. But book-wise, if you get a chance to check it out, it, it, beautiful covers, interiors, wild. Um, but it went through three or four artists. So as far as like style. All of them seem to make the book good. Anyhow, uh, so this guy, for, uh, for Image, this retcon, when it, uh, first picks up, like, the way it opens, we start in New York, or in, we're in New York, and we start inside of a church cathedral, and we've got a couple voice boxes that are, like, expositional and monologue and the point of view we're following, at first it's really hard to tell exactly who you're following, but once it catches up to that, then all of a sudden it makes like a lot of sense. Um, but we're in a meeting for an AA group, or a uh, group of dealing with post-traumatic stress uh, and alcoholism, and we've got this one particular guy who's in there telling a story, and as he starts unfolding his story, his story is dealing with what was uh, termed as a secret military group outside of the uh, normal guys of the military. Uh, they dealt with supernatural type things. 
So group wise, it's one of those groups is more black book than anything because they dealt with like genies and demons and crazy stuff that they make up excuses for that or why we go to war with crazy countries supposedly. And uh, as he's talking about this, the exposition changes from oh he's gone off the, he's gone off the grid we're gonna have to stop him, and we realize that the person who's talking is a guy in the group, but he's been watching him the entire time and reporting back. And he's wearing this crazy like button. That has a triangle with like an eye in the middle of it. Um, so secret organization style. And uh, he's been informed that they, he's supposed to take out everybody in the room and kill all the innocents and put anybody down that saw the picture. Because the picture had a bunch of military types with a crazy goat headed, multiple eyed, multiple armed genie that they had killed. And like it's a sporting trophy kind of picture. Um, so all these people see it and they're like, oh, it's crazy. It can't be real. And then. As it goes farther, like, they become more and more intrigued by what's happening. So it's like a clean of the mess kind of thing. Um, and then stuff goes really crazy, because during this whole order to kill everybody in the room, our guy, Brandon, decides to... Brandon, who's the character we've been hearing the end of monologue of, after giving this order to uh, take out the target and take out everybody in the room, decides that he doesn't necessarily like the idea of killing a bunch of innocent civilians... And then it bothers him that he's been ordered to do this. So he decides to instead try to scare the people out of the building by staging a fire, which seems super questionable, you know what I mean? And so it starts smoking. He's like, oh, no, fire, everybody, fire. And so people start kind of being like, oh, this is weird. And they start trying to leave. At which point we have a lady stand up in the group who is Brandon's partner, um, which we find out is a dude named Josh, who's a clairvoyant type, who can control people, like, remote viewing style. And apparently he's been driving around this girl. Because, uh, the lady is not who, I mean, she's being controlled by the dude, this Josh guy. So they try to kill the target, and the target happens to be a werebear. Nice. Which is where things get super crazy. <laughs> And, like, as the chaos unfolds, we start explaining all this super technology stuff and, like, how there's so many different curses in the world that are real curses and certain things that change certain things. And our, our guy, Brandon, we wind up, finds out, has uh, something living inside of him that will protect him from pretty much anything. So whatever, the ho whatever he is, he's the host of something else. And uh, apparently he calls it Mary Sue, which I think is kind of hilarious just because of the terminology for that, which I'm sure is on purpose. Things get back, get back crazy in the middle of it, and, uh, of course, most of the folks involved die, and that leads to, uh, Brand's organization not necessarily being happy with him at all. Um, I'm gonna stop there so we don't get to the end catch. But the end catch is, like, it, it's a setup to move forward with the next batch of monster types, and, like, what they're gonna be. So, like, chaos-wise, it's a pretty interesting thing. I like crazy monster stuff. Mm -hmm. and I know you do. Mm -hmm. So, like, crazy monster stuff is what this whole book's full of. Mm -hmm. I mean, we Brandon has these crazy tattoos and marks all over him, and before the werebear gets killed, he tells him he knows the person that put the marks on him. And that makes Brandon even more intrigued. And, like, how he got him in the first place, well, we don't know that yet, because it's issue one. But, yeah, as far as, like, what abilities he has, we straight up see his arms, like, transform into these crazy, like, scaly gorilla arms while he's fighting the werebear, which is crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, it is freaking nuts. Score-wise, you know, like, 
I don't know if I've read anything else by Matt Nixon before or not. I mean, maybe I have. By memory, I don't have anything in my head. Um, I was a pretty big fan of Blue Estate, so some of this is rel- reminds me of that series, some of the art does. Um, but as far as story, I mean, the stories are nothing like. Um, I don't know, I'd give it a three. I mean, it's, it'd be interesting to see where it goes. The art is super wild, so depending on what you like, I mean, it's 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 got a wild art style. Because when you see the demons, or like the werebear, it is crazy looking. Oh my gosh. But yeah, as far as the score, yeah, i give it a three. I like it, though. I'm interested to see what the next book does. Art style-wise, it may not be everybody's cup of tea. But, I dug it. Uh, Rob, did you score for that book? You know, I have to agree, like, the, the artwork for it is definitely wild. And it reminds me a lot of Blue Estate. But, um, the storyline for it is very intriguing. And it'd be interesting to see where they're going to go from this. Um, I think I, I got to fall soon and go like a solid three. Um, for me, I mean, as crazy as it all is, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the next thing is, but I don't know, it hasn't quite grabbed me yet. Sure. But three, three, I think is pretty good. I'm going to give it a three as well, just because of where they are more than anything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, every, everything you guys have said has been on point for me too, but. Well, I know you like crazy monsters and where bear, I figured it was a more selling point for you. Just like Lockjaw. Yeah. Backup story was the real seller for you on the previous book. Yeah. <laughs> Ross's particular likes people. That's true. <laughs> That's all right. That and cake. I understand. <laughs> cake is good. Cake is good. All right. So that brings us to, uh, Teen Titans number 12. This is the, uh, Dark Knight's metal tie-in book. It's supposed to take place hierarchy-wise, like story arc-wise, to read it in sequence, it comes after issue two of Metal. Um, they both came out the same week, so timeline-wise, I mean, chances are that's how you read them anyway, but it, you're supposed to because the events in this happen after the events in Metal 2. Um, anyhow, the uh, book is written by Benjamin Percy, and the art is by uh, Mirka. Mir- Mirka? I think that's how you pronounce it. Androloff? Uh, if that's not right, I'm super sorry. Uh, the art's beautiful. Um, depending on which cover you got, one of the covers was Seavage Sidgic. Um, he was the, he was the main cover. I think, I don't remember who did the B cover, but it was also entertaining. Both good. good. Yeah, yeah, they're both good. So book-wise, we open up and we're, uh, we're, we're joining the Riddler in Arkham Asylum at the very beginning of the book. Uh, and, uh, when it opens up, he's sitting in a cell, you know, hanging out, being Riddler. And we start seeing these word bubbles appear from who knows where that all say crow, and a lot of them. And eventually, uh, we get the wall broken down, where we are, uh, this is the second time we've seen this character, because he does appear at the end of, the end of Metal 2. Does it, just because I haven't read any of it yet, does it tell who that character is in Metal? It's Batman. Well, but does it explain more about it? He's the Batman who laughs. No, as far as, like, backstory, no. Okay, that's Like, okay. when they, they get introduced at the end of the... Like, a whole herd of them, a whole herd of characters get introduced at the end of Metal 2. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, when this picks up, this is the first time we've seen anything outside of the first appearance. Gotcha, okay. So, there hasn't been, like, any developing story uh, yet, and we're still not entirely sure how these beings are where they are. Just because Metal 2 is, I mean, it's the second chapter, so we know it has to do with the Dark Universe, we know it has to do with the Nightmare Universe, 
But other than that, there's no real explanation. What are those, by the way? Um, <laughs> well, so at the end of, did you read the casting or the? F- I haven't read any. Of them, oh, yeah. Ross, 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 Ross. Can you can you give it like a quick one, or uh, would it just be better? Best explanation is you know how we have the multiverse. I uh-huh. uh, flipped the map over. The opposite side of the multiverse would be the dark universe. Okay. That's the easiest way to explain it, and kind of how they explain it in Metal 1. Although it is a little short-sighted, because I really wish that Metal 1, we would have got a second map. Because we have the map of the DC Universe, multi- the multiverse, mm-hmm. which Grant Morris ironed out and made a thing. Mm. Well, this stuff is on the back side of that map. Okay. Where, when they show it, of course it's just black. Mm. I think it'd be cooler, just to criticize for no reason. If there is actually a map on the back of the other map. So you flipped it over and it was a, a reverse map or another mm-hmm. map. Because then you basically doubled your 52 Earths to 104 Earths. Which, the, the, this playing out may not be a real Earth at all. Yeah. They make it sound like it's a universe, but we don't know that for sure. Huh. Just because they haven't ironed all that stuff out yet. I mean, it, it is issue two of a six part. and We have a bunch of one shots happening this next two one, two, three, four weeks. Yeah. Because each of the characters gets a one one shot. And then we have this thing too, including this Gotham the, Resistance. It's like its own little mini series, right? Right. Gotham Resistance, the one shots, and even the, even the the guy who laughs gets his own one shot later. Oh, okay. So like, whether that's going to be an explanation of him or not, I don't know. I mean, we haven't had the one shots happen yet, so. Yeah. Eh. I see. Anyhow, uh, so we are joined by Batman, the Batman who laughs, and he. Uh, he has a gaggle of robins with him, <laughs> and uh, the crowing has been them. And they are very, uh, very demon-like, you know, pointed mm-hmm. teeth, crazy pointed ears, goblin-esque. And uh, this Batman is very reminiscent of uh, Pinhead and Penance from Marvel. Mm-hmm. Pinhead from the movie Pinhead, or Hellraiser, oh, Hellraiser excuse me, Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. And then Penance from the Marvel Comics Penance or or Thunderbolts, Thunderbolts or anything else. You look really hard, new warriors, right? Um, and he is greeting the, jo- the or the Riddler in prison. Of course, the Riddler is freaked the hell out by it, and he tells the Riddler, "Oh, you know who I am because you recognize my voice. I'm Batman." And then he explains how he's not there to kill him because he already killed his Riddler, but instead he had a game for him. And we get an overview of apparently he's visited a lot of the different criminals. And giving them all these magical cards. And the magical cards let them shape reality. And he tells the Riddler to make a reality that, that he will laugh at. And uh, we cut from there to join Damien, who's en route to try to figure out what happened to Dad. Because at this point... Well, yeah, he's on Goliath, of course. Awesome. Uh, but <laughs> Batman's off, off the board at this point, along with Superman and Wonder Woman. And apparently people are aware that they've disappeared off the board. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anybody knows how yet. I mean, we do, because Metal 2 goes over that. Um, but everyone else is unaware of the situation, what's happened. Gotcha. But we've had this giant mountain rise up in the middle of Gotham, and it has a batch of rings around it. And uh, they're calling it the Challenge Mountain. And uh, Damon has decided that Batman must be at the middle. And he's got the Teen Titans following him in the battle, and those Teen Titans are afraid that it may be a death trap. Or a death, not trap, a death, we call it a suicide mission, there you go. Yep. Suicide mission. Anyhow, uh, the Titans land down in one of the rings on the outside edge, and uh, 
they start helping people, and Damien finds a doorway, and he's like, we need to go through here. And they're like, well, there's all these people here that need help. We have to try to help them. He's like, okay, you guys help the people. See you later. And he tells Goliath to stay with him. Mm. So he still cares what happens to the Titans, mm. even though he's like, no, no, there's a question mark on that door. I need to go through it. Mm. So he bails and walks into a giant maze. Um, so I'm going to skip some of the story simply because the labyrinth is the whole payoff for it. And it's interesting what happens between A and B. But of course, this is the Riddler's death trap. And of course, the Riddler starts talking to him in, like, crazy anomalous bubbles. So, like, you know, if you were in a giant warehouse and someone's watching you... Kind of like when you're playing the Arkham games. And the same idea, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing. And, of course, Damien skips a few death traps, and then that leads to uh, him running into a couple other people that are also in the maze, um, where he gets himself pulled out of the fryer by a Green Arrow for a second, and then immediately starts talking down to Green Arrow about how he's a <laughs> B-League justice. You know, I don't need your help. You're a B-Leader. And he's like, you know what, I've been... So this is one of the funniest parts of the book, and then I'll skip to an end and give it a score, just so I don't spoil things. Funniest part of the book for me. So, Green Arrow's like, yeah, I've been... I've begun to, he, he's following Damon Davis. We need to go down this way. There's a magnetic pull this direction. He goes, I already went down the hallway like an hour ago. I've been leaving arrows in the wall until I was gone so I could track myself and my progress. And Damien goes, do you see that slight shift, that slight shift in the room? It's slightly moving. And he's like, What? You're using another sparring pass that's too smart for himself. He says, there's no way you went down the same doorway because an hour ago it would have been a different place. And Green Arrow's like, oh, man. So they all, so he, so he used to follow him. And the funny part comes after another in, encounter we have where we meet a couple other um, characters that have been wandering through the maze. Uh, we are joined by Harley Quinn and Killer Croc. So two members of the Suicide Squad that are there on Suicide Squad business. That leads to Harley Quinn returning Green Arrow's arrows that she's been finding for him. <laughs> all over the place. And she's got a giant batch of them wrapped up in her arms. She's like, here's all your arrows you lost. I've been finding them everywhere I go. <laughs> and Green Arrow's like, are you serious? Are, are you serious? Which is hilarious. Anyway, that leads to Chase to the end, and then uh, we have a couple more, like, Kind of crazy reveal types at the end. We learn we get we get a really big reveal at the end actually, and then we're joined by one more member uh, of our bat squad. But we'll leave that as a hang on also, and we get a reveal of another villain type, which is kind of fantastic. Uh, it's crazy, but that's the whole point. Uh, score wise, I give it a, I give it a four. I mean, it's a pretty good issue. There's a lot of interesting stuff for Damien, a lot of the juxtaposition between him and the Titans and how half the Titans feel like he doesn't care at all. I mean, when he first showed up, he basically berated all of them and then fired Kid Flash, which <laughs> I think later on is going to turn into something else. Like, maybe there was a reason behind it, or maybe it was to put somebody on Slade's radar to follow him. Ultimately, if it was just a writing out so this story could pay off, okay, I guess. Because if he had a speedster with you going through a maze, super simple. It's true. So, how you're not on the board as part of the team automatically hinders you. I mean, he couldn't fix every problem, but at the same time, if you're trying to chase to the middle of a building or go through a maze to get to the end, uh, having a speedster would make that super easy. So, him being off the board makes sense to me. If it's just for this story, I guess that's awesome. Good planning. I find that unlikely, but that's a totally different batch of books <laughs> to talk about. 
I agree with you. Anyhow, <laughs> as far as like scoring, I give it a four. Art's really solid. Uh, the bad who laughs, creepy, just super creepy. Oh my gosh. And like, this, the payoff with the extra character at the end, crazy too. Just like, this is crazy. Anyhow, uh, yeah, so, good, good times. Um, if you're not reading Metal, I know the R store is going to have second prints, because number two is second print, um, today. When it came out on Wednesday. So, there's that. Uh, Rob, you got a score for that book? You know, actually, I've been a fan of the Team Titans for a little bit, and I wasn't sure how Metal was going to actually work with it, because I kind of thought Metal might be completely encapsulated. Mm. So I actually think this is a pretty cool step in. And they just wrapped up their last story, so you know we're not even being ripped just out of the regular story to do this. Um, I, You know what, I, I'd give it a four. I've enjoyed the Teen Titans book. I think this is a great standalone. Uh, well, I guess it's not going to be standalone. They're probably going to come back to this story, I believe. Well, there's a couple tie-ins that go throughout. So, like, Nightwing has a tie-in. Suicide Squad. Um, Suicide Squad has one. Mm-hmm. Then there's the one shot. So, like, where this leads to chase-wise is going to be through the other tie-ins, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, more than likely. Um, but, yeah, it, I thought it was actually a really good take, and it has a, a pretty nice setup at the end. But it's, you know, we're getting another kind of first in this with the Green Arrow meeting Damien and kind of interacting with some of the other Titans, so which is cool. And I love having Green Arrow be important in DC, so... But yeah, I, I give it a four. I thought it was actually a really solid book. Um, it is important that you you read the metal stuff to come into this because mm-hmm. if you just jump on this one on your own, well, you know. Yeah. Well, this yeah, this story by itself, there are definitely pieces you're missing because yeah. you won't have any idea where to connect the battle laughs. Um, this one's gonna be followed by the Nightwing tie-in, so I assume probably after that the Suicide Squad tie-in. So chances are those three will run. Piece to piece to piece, just because of who the cast is. Yeah. So yeah, the next chapter for this is supposed to be Nightwing. Um, just in case you guys wondered where it goes. Uh, Ross! Yeah, score for that book? Uh, I'm going to keep being boring and give it a four, just like you guys. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome how the story works. I'm, I was kind of curious if they were going to incorporate the whole Teen Titans into it, or if it was just going to be more of a Damien story, and because he's... Teen Titans is, like, where he lives now. That was the only way they were going to do it. And they kind of do. They kind of have a little bit of everyone in there. Um, I'm pretty sure, like, almost everyone that he teams up with in this has yet to be seen in since New 52 or Rebirth. I don't think I've ever seen him with Green Arrow or Harley Quinn or Killer Croc. Yeah. Well, him with them, no. I mean, they've been seen in other books. I mean... So he's like Squad constantly has his characters in them. Just Damien with those oh, characters. Oh, Damien with so. them. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No, I missed the, missed, missed the boat. Well, we got to get you caught up on metal, so that way this stuff makes sense to you. Yeah. <laughs> so. But yeah, just in general, even without knowing exactly who the Batman who laughs and stuff is, it was awesome. So. And I mean, it's always cool to see them using Killer Croc for more than just, yeah, we need a big dumb guy this week. Yeah. Throw him out there. Yeah, he does kind of do some dumb guy stuff in there, but <laughs> he does. But he's he's getting a little bit more play than normal, right? Okay, uh, so Rob, you want to tell us a little bit about Action Comics? All right, so we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about Action Comics nine eighty seven. Pretty big issue. 
It is. It, it has some incredible significance, um, which we're gonna we're gonna talk about possibly later. It could be a per- important thing, but you know we're gonna talk about the important stuff that happens in this issue. Not the crazy ending. No, not not the not the clickbait stuff. The important stuff. Ah. The things that matter. Right. right? So we got Dan Jurgen writing, and Victor Bogdanovic. Bogdanovic. I'm sure that I just completely butchered that. So, yeah. You so it's good art, though, just like earlier. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 We're all we're all worried about things coming into this book, and one of the big things is, of course, Mr. Oz. Right. Mr. Oz has evidently set himself up with a whole lot of people that are just, I'm, I'm going to call them Z Nation. Okay. <laughs> they got all kinds of tattoos on them, they're evidently whispering in everybody's ear, because they're trying to paint that the world is a terrible, terrible place, and so how do you do that? How do you show how terrible the world can be? Well, you know what you do? You give a guy who's driving a LexCorp tanker truck, or tanker, tanker boat, boat, an entire bottle of Jack Daniels to just drink it up <laughs> while he's driving. It doesn't even take much uh, much, much persuading. Just, just hand it over and like, yeah, we worked so hard, let's just have party time. Evidently, drinking that entire bottle, and it's not even like, he doesn't even do cup. No glass <laughs> for this guy. Straight bottle in the mouth, down the front of his shirt. He doesn't care. <laughs> Evidently gets it in his mind that he's going to park the boat on the beach on top of seals. <laughs> awesome. Tanker boat, yeah. <laughs> like, like a tanker liner. It's a big yeah. boat. Yeah. Unfortunately... It's a lot of seals. You yeah. know, uh, Superman had to do a whole lot of stuff. He had to prioritize what was going on. So, you know, his first stop was not to stop the tanker trunk driven by wild turkey <laughs> boat master. <laughs> and those seals are oily now. Yeah, they They're oily like nobody's business. So Superman comes in and he's dealing with it with fire, and you know what seals don't like? They don't like fire. It's true. <laughs> so the seals are being saved by people in hazmat suits and being burned in the oil by drunken boatmaster. <laughs> the and moral you know, of the story is you don't drink in boat. Yeah, you would think that, that yeah. That's that, the whole that, point. That should be the moral of the story. And you know, honestly, at this point, should we have to tell people? <laughs> don't drink and boat. I don't. Probably not. You know, and and if you are going to, be responsible. <laughs> Have a glass. Don't drink the whole bottle. No, I was, was going to say, don't drink and boat around seals. Yeah, well, that's no, a good idea that's too. A good idea and if too. You, if you're on a giant like oil tanker, don't try to skip it on the beach. You cannot <laughs> park them. I don't care how skilled of a boat captain you are. You are not going to parallel park on the on the. The seal beach. It's not going to happen <laughs> in your boat. It's not going to happen. It's just too big for that. Yeah. Any boat would be dangerous. Yeah, and there's a lot of other terrible things that happen, but that is... That's close to the top. That's, that's pretty bad. That's close to the top. So, important things for, for this book. Sure, there's some big reveals, and Superman does some stuff. It's pretty impressive stuff. Wild turkey boat driving... Equals seals covered in oil. And fire. <laughs> and possibly fire. There's a lot of fire out there. Oh, yeah. And although I'm seeing these guys running up with their seals in their arms, I mean, you got to imagine there's going to be a couple of those seals. <laughs> They're going to be burning seals. We don't, talk about, we don't talk about that. I <laughs> totally picture that scene in Man of Steel now where he's rescuing little 
the Alaskan yeah the oil. pipe pipeliners. You just oh. don't see the part around him where all the seals are on fire. Oh, man, <laughs> where, where he shows up and he has his abs on fire. <laughs> I guarantee you, his abs are on fire in that scene. They it's are ridiculous. Oh yeah, they definitely are. So <laughs> he's saving the people, and there's just a burning seal off off camera to stop them. <laughs> it's flame in the air. He's trying to sing about I, being kissed by a rose or something. I thought you were going to tell me that it was, you know, it reminded you of the scene where he just let his dad die in a hurricane. Just because, <laughs> don't, don't reveal yourself, son, it's fine. And then he's just looking at the seals burning and he's like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't do anything can't do for you guys. I'm sorry. I can't do it. I'm here to help humanity, it's not seal humanity. <laughs> you had your chance, seals. Sorry. <laughs> Worst part is, is it's right after his dad did that, so it's the seal talking to him this time. Instead of <laughs> oh! <laughs> so Tom Jack, let things go. Cut the tens all the time. What's on fire? <laughs> Man, Whew, ah. it's, it's the gift that keeps giving. Like, who says that that's a terrible movie? <laughs> <laughs> Some people. <laughs> there's, there's there's pieces that are okay. Yeah. Well, but if they would have included the flaming seal scene, it would be amazing. <laughs> I mean, it was cut for runtime, but I, it should have stayed. <laughs> Anyhow, though. Yeah, I mean, so seal's a busy guy. He puts on shows and stuff. He was married that supermodel? No, he's not anymore. I guess. <laughs> We're talking about two different, different kinds. Of oh, seal. yeah. I was confused. Like you're talking about seal the performer, and we're talking about performing seals. <laughs> Awesome. It's similar, but not the same. Right. Our art still. Yeah. Not Kiss by Rose in the Flame. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. sings and they slap horns. They both <laughs> like fish, though. That's what I understand. Yeah, it's understandable. Fish yeah. good. Anyways. So, yeah, uh, Action Comics 987. Lots of really cool stuff in there. Great reveal at the end of it. It's going to change a lot of stuff in DC, but the important thing is don't drink and boat the seals. Think about the seals. He's right. <laughs> and if you do, grab a glass. <laughs> if you didn't do the whole bottle, you would have probably thought better of doing some of that stuff. Maybe you would have offered some to the seals. Maybe. Maybe. At least you would have thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it helps when you're drinking in moderation. Yeah. And you don't have to finish the bottle even if you drink out of it. Just saying. <laughs> that guy was no holds bar. Anyhow. <laughs> well, Rob, on a serious note, would you give that book a score? <clears throat> Like a score that actually scores um, the book. You know, actually, with with all all, all jokes aside, uh, I'm sure we'll we'll come back to this eventually because yeah, the Oz effect is going to be huge. It's a big deal. Um, you know, I I would give it a four. It, it it does pay off. It wasn't what we expected it to be. I didn't see it coming, and it is kind of wrapping up a few loose ends for storylines. So yeah, I, I still see a lot of potential on what they could do moving forward with this story. Sure. I'm, kinda, I'm excited to see what, what the idea is behind it. And of course it has a beautiful lenticular cover as well. So Yeah, the whole series, the first principle at least. For the the normal cover, the variants, of course, they're, they're, yeah, they're going to be two the same way. But yeah, the lenticular is kind of awesome. It's really pretty cool. Um, Ross, you score? You know, I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five, probably. Okay. I, I liked the story. I'm honestly a little bit disappointed in the reveal. Not that that shapes the whole thing, but anyhow. I, like I was kind of hoping 
that it would tie more into this doomsday clock stuff that's coming later. And it probably will still in a different way, but yeah. yeah. I think everyone's thought initially was that Mr. Oz was going to be some sort of Watchmen character. I'm not saying that he's not, but I'm saying I was disappointed. And there you go. <laughs> Good job, Ross. Brought it down half a point. <laughs> all right. Uh, Score-wise, like, like Rob said in all seriousness, uh, yeah, I'd give it a four. I mean, book-wise, it's good. Dan Dragons is no, uh, he's no stranger to things. I mean, book-wise, he's written a whole lot of important Superman stories. Created Booster Gold. He's been on our show at least twice. Maybe three? No, twice. Twice. Also created Doomsday. Also yeah, created Doomsday. Yeah, the death of Superman. Did mm-hmm. the cover for the, with the, with the cape, or with the cape, uh, or with, yeah, with Superman cape on the, on the pole. Like, he's the one who did the art for the cover. Like, he drew that mm. cover. Pretty iconic. Was, yeah, it is iconic. So, dude, he's written a fair amount of things. He's writing the Batman Beyond, or he was writing Batman Beyond. I think he still is, actually. Yeah, I think he is, too. Yeah, he, he did a couple miniseries uh, about a year ago, uh, Batmite, and then he was he did the, uh, 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 man, I can't remember the name of the other one. It doesn't matter. Ultimately, he shouldn't be a stranger to you. He worked for Marvel, did Marvel stuff, too, so the dude's not new to things. As far as the writer, he's been writing Superman for a minute. And he does a pretty good job of it. So, um, yeah, I give it four. Um, yeah, we, we played up the jokey parts, but just because it's a really big deal. And as far as, like, what the book is, is a big deal. So, I would have liked if we waited another issue for the reveal, but with all the weird chasing to it, I'm kind of glad we got to the point where we can try to move forward now. Yeah, I was going to say, we have been waiting a really, really long Yeah, we have. Quite a bit. So. Quite a bit. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, as we go, we'll, we'll discuss... You know, pros and cons at, at a later date, I'm sure. Sure. All right, um, so we'll go ahead and run the, uh, the interview with Mr. Rags Morales. And this is from the uh, Colorado Springs 2017 Comic Con. Uh, like I said again, uh, uh, Rags, not a stranger. Book-wise, the dude did art, not art for DC, Marvel, uh, Valiant. Uh, Identity Crisis uh, was his. He did the, uh, doing, Ju- no, doing Green Lantern, um, Blackest Night, he did the art for Tales of the Corp. Um, so currently he's working on Art Emery Wars, um, uh, for, uh, well, I think it's Boom, no, is Boom that's putting it out? Oh god. I'm pretty sure it is. I, yeah, I don't remember who's putting it out, but I think it's Boom. Anyhow, yeah, I actually think he talked about that in there, and I don't know why I don't remember it, because I actually talked about it. Anyway, um... Claudio Sanchez is the guy who created Amory Wars. He's the co-eating Cambria lead singer, um, which I actually met him in San Diego as well. However, there's no interview of that. It's just, you know, he was there, and I was like, hey, what's up, dude? He's like, I got big hair, and I'm like, that's awesome. And then his really pretty wife lady was there, and she's like, hey. And I'm like, you're really pretty lady. He's like, you want to buy a copy of my book? I'm like, I, this store has them. So, anyway, it doesn't matter what I came home with or what I spent money on, because... You know, I make foolish choices. Anyway, <clears throat> the rags, as far as the dude, uh, awesome, cool to talk to, super legit. He got some pretty interesting stuff that, I mean, interesting stuff to hear talk about. You know, as far as, uh, as far as, as a, as a guy in general, yeah, he's, he's, he's straight up legit. Like, it's awesome. Anyway, so I'm gonna run that now with the thing. Career day of the, uh, for the uh, Colorado Springs 2017 Comic Con with Mr. Mr. Rags Morales. There you go. There you go. 
Right, right. So for a while, you've been doing you've been doing art in the business for quite a while. Like yeah, at this point, you've been some pretty big titles and pretty big writers. Yeah. Um, a as far as like so, and I'm sure you've probably been asked this before, but was there a point like where was your point in your career? Where, you, where prior to career, what made you say this is what I want to do? Was there a moment where you're like, here's the turning point, this is what I want to do? Well, back when I was uh, living in Idaho and uh, fighting off these giant uh, mutant mosquitoes. <laughs> Um, trying to protect my shoelace collection, you know, they, they can be pretty, um, they can be pretty, uh, aggressive. Understand uh, I have no idea what a mosquito needs with shoelaces, but you gotta give it to them. That's how they get their shoes tied on. Uh, who knew they had shoes? They were giant. They could have, they could have every box. Um, I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> when did you decide that this is what you wanted to do? Art. Like, when did you decide, oh, I want to have a comic? You know, when you get stuck, stung by a bunch of mosquitoes after the wires, that's saying, screw this. Uh, <laughs> I, and then I started reading comic books, and, you know. You want the cutesy answer? You want the, the, the sunshiny? Um, um, take whatever you want to give me. Okay. I want, I want the real answer. I want the real answer. I want the real answer. Yeah. I want to hear about all the gore and grime that made you decide you had to escape in your phone. Okay, well, when I killed the neighborhood bully and I was trying to bury him underneath a bunch of comic books, I realized, oh my God, there's Neil Adams. I like him, and that's what started me. Um, I'd, it was a Batman versus the werewolf. 100-page thing. It had a great story in the back with Jerry Robinson, one of the most underrated com uh, comic book artists, Batman artists of the day, because, you know, Bob Kane was uh, too busy being an ego. Um... And from that point on, I was just like, yeah, I'm going to be a comic book artist. And I have a girlfriend of mine that I've known since I was five years old, and she told me that I was the only person she's ever known to say, what, yeah, we're going to be at five and be it, you know, instead of, like, you know, going off into the tangents. Although I did want to become a priest at one point because Linda Blair scared the shit out of me. <laughs> you know, I was up one night late. You know, and, you know, her head is spinning around an exorcist. I was like, you know, I think I'm going to be a priest. I'm just scared the hell out of me. And then they would really beat, uh, beat me up because they thought I was a wimp. I was already a wimp. I was skinny. Yeah, I like comic books. I was a freaking nerd, man. They're going to kick my shit because I want to be a priest, too? What the hell are you? I'd rather go back to Idaho. <laughs> so that's what got me going. And that, and come full circle, it was very, um, very, oh, Richard Helen Voidoids. <laughs> and so I was very, uh, very uh, pleased and, and, and proud that when Joe Kubert, not that he died, but Neil Adams did a beautiful tribute right. with the pastiche of all the people that went there, and the first guy that got me into comics drew me in the tribute for Joe Kubert, the school that I work at and, and went to. So I gotta turn this down. Sorry, this is probably not gonna. It's good music though. But you hell, bass is from television, probably the first band to play at CBGB's in the 70s, yeah. So what's, um, what was your holy grail comic book when you were a kid? Like, this is what I want to be, and if I've done this, I've made it. And you have the comic book, because a lot of us lost Well, those. I do have that comic, and I had that Neil Scientist. It, was, it would have to be that one, you know, it would have to be that one. I can't tell you that I actually still own a lot of Holy Grails, you know, the, the, the first Marvel fanfare, Michael Golden with uh, uh, um, Kazar and, and uh, Warren Worthington, the angel, ranks, 
uh, Sandy Plunkett's Marvel fanfare with uh, uh, Spider-Man and Scarlet Witch. Anything by C.C. Beck, the old Treasury editions I still have. The original Star Wars Treasury Edition with the Howard Chaykin that he tells me to this day. Yes, he's tired of apologizing for it, but I thought it was brilliant. Any, any Jim Power that I had, um, Brave and Bold, huge collection of that. Uh, Gene Colan doing Captain America and the Falcon back in the day. Um, Frank Miller's Daredevil. Kerry Gamble doing Power Man and Iron Fist, uh, Heroes for Hire. Very underrated artist. And anything by the Filipinos, by Alex Nino, Nestor Redondo, Jerry Tullock, uh, um, uh, Tony Dizaniga, um Francis Reyes, all of them. Real good guys. The good guys. The good artists. Not the crap that came out after that. Is there a particular character you haven't worked on that you'd like to? Like, is there a... Let me tell you something about comic books. It's work. Right. And I hate work. <laughs> no, actually, yeah, look, we love what we do. I mean, obviously, we do it. You know, right. what, what, what are my choices? What I did before? Uh, landscape. You know, uh, work at McDonald's, record wall. You know, those crappy summer jobs. But, um,. When it comes right down to it, it's work, and, and um, my job is to try to do a good job for the character, a good job for the story, make it make the writer want to hire me again, because a lot of writers say, I want to work with this guy, and they just go out and find that person. Um, and the same thing with artists, you know, I like that inker, let me work, I like that color, let me work. So we all kind of like give each other, you know, pats on the back, and that usually uh, ends up becoming, you know the way an editor adds people to their own talent pool because an editor has a specific talent pool people that they're used to working with uh, and it takes many years to, before you get the kind of uh, cachet where you can just say you know I'd like to work with this dude uh, I'd like to work with this you know beautiful person so and I haven't even answered your question but I, I guess I don't know it's, every time I do a character it's not even a goofy little nerdgasm you know those things are I haven't had an orgasm so long. <laughs> I can't. I, 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 there, look, I love Captain Marvel. I like, for some reason, not the Marvel monstrosity. I'm talking about the original, you know, Fawcett Comics, you know, uh, Captain Marvel. Because I like the costume. I just think that's the coolest cape in the world. And I just love drawing them. And um, I would love to be able to do a run that isn't ruined by any kind of modern version. You know, I would love to do the oh, the Invaders. Big Frank Robbins fan back in the day, oh, yeah. but you know, not fighting the fucking Taliban. Right. You know, um, the Invaders in the right right time frame. Yeah, um, I don't know. I like weird characters too. You know, I want to. I did a little bit of the of 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 uh, the Demon. I had fun doing that when I did uh, uh, Canterbury Cricket. The, the world's famous Canterbury Cricket. Awesome. Yes. Yes. yes uh, everybody grabbed an issue. <laughs> that almost sold as well as Sliders, right? Uh, yeah. Well, if it sold as good as Sliders, then I'm in deep shit. Um, I'd love to see the cricket show back up in something. Man. Yeah, it's you know, I, I, I enjoyed it because I'll never get a chance to do Bug for the Micronauts because I like the Micronauts too. But IDW now, no, wait, uh, I think Dynamite. 
Oh, no, it's just IDW owns. IDW has the, the, that property, and unfortunately, a lot of the old characters are Marvel characters, and they can't use them. Yeah. So, but I like odd characters. So when I did Canterbury Cricket, I, I enjoyed that because I did love Bug, and I enjoyed doing the demon in that. And I would love to get a shot to do um, just anything that's just weird and goofy. You know, it's when I did Black Condor, I did his arms long on purpose. That wasn't because I didn't know how to draw arms. It was because I wanted them to be odd. And um, my editor tried to fight me on that all the time. And I was like, no, man. <laughs> I, I gave him, okay. And then I went back to doing it. So um, That, I don't want to do the creeper, that kind of thing. You know, just characters that, you know. but I don't want to do ambush bug, but that's, that's, that's that, you know, that's, that's that little cliche, you know, odd character, ambush bug, everybody loves ambush. No, let Keith Giffen do it. And <laughs> I don't ever want to touch that character. I, I would never do a better job than he does on it anyway. So. Well, I think Cameron Cricket would be, that would be an awesome if we got a new version of him the, or even a current version of him in the 52 world or Rebirth or whatever. But I don't want to do Ragman because that's just two on the nose and that's bullshit. <laughs> what is he currently working on? Currently, I'm doing Amory Wars okay. for Claudio Sanchez of Cody and Cambria. I have a 12-issue run that I'm penciling and inking. Um, issue 6 is coming out, September 6th. 6 on 6. That's good. Got Apollo wrong? I'm sorry? Got Apollo wrong? Is the uh, title good? Uh, Apollo? Good Apollo, I'm burning Star 4. Right. Weirdest freaking titles in the world. Oh, my God. Uh, what was the first collection of the, the, the second stage turbine blade? Yeah. And keeping good secrets with Silent Earth, I think is the other one. And now we got good Apollo on Burning Star 4, which is the conversation he's having with a dog. At the end of, uh, he's talking to a dog Apollo, dog name's Apollo, at the end of the, uh, the second run, the one, the run that, uh, Peter David wrote. Um, and, um, he um, he was talking to the dog, and uh, you know, because he's like the Christ figure, and he's trying to come back to save the day, because he's got this superpower that he's trying to suppress, because he doesn't trust it, doesn't know how to control it, and he doesn't want to be a part of it. He just wants to disappear. His parents are dead. His sister's dead. His other sister's dead. His little brother's dead. His whole family's gone. He's the only one left. He just doesn't be bothered with it. But he's got to save the day. Because the people that killed all these people are the ones he's designed. He's got to stop. And he's called the crowing. And at the end of and Keep It Secrets, he tells Apollo, uh, the dog, he says, good Apollo, good Apollo, he's saying to the dog, good dog, good Apollo, I'm Burning Star for it, that's the title, so, they are, that's what I'm working on, and for anybody who doesn't know it, um, it's, it's a part, in two parts, if there's a fiction part of the story, and there's a non-fiction part of the story, the fiction part is about the crowing and him trying to save the day, uh, in this planet called, uh, um, Heaven's Fence, of uh, 69 planets all in a triangular form. They don't rotate around any, so any natural solar system like that as we know it, but they're all kept together and alive uh, by something called the Keywork, which if it was destroyed, would destroy all the planets and everything. And there are three, fac there are three factions in that universe. There's the mages, kind of like the oligarchy. You know, they're keeping charge of things. There's the human race, which is you know, the peons, which is uh, uh, Claudio Kilgan, and the crowing is uh, a human. And there's the prize. There were blue angels, these chicks, these blonde chicks with, with, with blue skin, 
and with wings, and their job is to protect the key work, which keeps everything alive. And there's this one Ryan Wilhelm, he's like the Darth Vader, kind of Darth Vader meets Mumra from Thundercats. He's trying to take over the whole thing, so, and he's, but in order to do that, he's got to kill the crone, he's got to kill the prophecy. So, that's the whole thing. And there's one prize named Ambelina, who's came down from, from above, uh, and had her wings cut off so that she can be, uh, non, like, you know, superpowers, so she just pushes the crowing to do the bidding, and he's got, uh, he discovers along the way that his parents are something called iRobots, which are kind of like, uh, human robots, you know, with, with plugged in codes or whatever in there, and they were at one point a part of Wilhelm's plan, but then they had, but then they gave birth to the, the son who's become the prophecy, so they had to kill them, and the rest of the family had to go after the son, so that's the whole thing. That's the basic gist. Very cool story, I think. The other part, which is equally cool, it's about the writer trying to write this story who suffers from schizophrenia, who's supposed to be taking drugs to, to help him, but it interferes with his writing, and his girlfriend keeps pushing him to um, uh, take the drugs, but he refuses which keeps him in his schizophrenic state, which ruins their relationship. And so she's fed up with him, and he's fed up with her. And then along comes his 10-speed bicycle, believe it or not, 10-speed, who he sees now as a fiery demon because he's messed up. And the fiery demon is trying to get him to kill his girlfriend. <laughs> so his girlfriend winds up, spoiler alert, tied to a chair at some point. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so that's the basic gist of Amory Wars. And called Amory because that was a street that Claudio Sanchez, the lead singer and uh, guitarist and writer of this whole thing, that's the uh, in upstate New York. That's the street he lived on. That's what I'm working on now, and I have 12 issues. I'm working on. Uh, uh, I'm wrapping up the last third, the last quarter actually. It's with it's through Boom. They're just uh, it's Evil Inc. is really the publisher. Oh, yeah. That's that's Claudio's. Um, Company, gotcha. Boom is just kind of like you know they they're the they're the, the glue to kind of keep it all together to do the distribution so that they can go ahead because I'm working with three writers I'm working with Claudio it's his vision working with his wife who does the actual scripting and and, uh, and, and Chandra Eckert um, and I'm working with um, Blaze James who's Coeden Cambria's manager and my editor so he's my guy I talk to him and, and Chandra a lot and occasionally I'll talk to, to Claudio. There you go. And he's a nice guy. Really, really sweet guy. Yeah. Claudio's one of them. And, and Blaze is beautiful people, and, and Chandra's a beautiful woman. I got a beautiful little baby boy. Little Atlas Hendrix. That's his name. That's pretty. Any plans to go back to Valiant? You know, I've actually talked to um, uh, uh, Warren about doing it. He sent me a bunch of books they're working on. They're doing beautiful work. My yeah. God, the stuff they're doing now, it's, it's like, oof. I don't have to bring my A game for that. But I told this is listen, you know what? I like the universe. It's fine. But if you can get Turok, that's my jam. Yeah. You know, that's the one I give my heart and soul. Because, you know, I guess if there's a favorite character, it might be Turok. Because I'm native, you know, and I like to, I like to, um, delve into that. I grew up on, on Clayton Moore and, and, you know, um, uh, Jay Silverheels, you know. The uh, Lone Ranger, you know, the, the syndicated from the fifties TV show. So I grew yeah. up on that shit. Oh yeah. Want to hear a funny story? Sure. Yeah. I told my mother, I'm gonna kill you. That's the story. <laughs> <laughs> it was a short one. 
It turns out, so she took me to a child psychiatrist, or to a therapist, and, and she's like, I think my kid's weird. <laughs> and after talking to me, she says, he just watches too much TV. So flash forward, I have, I'm living in, in Pennsylvania in a small town, Bartonsville, and I'm working one night, and TBS is doing an old western, and I got my back to it, and I'm kind of half listening to it. I'm drawing, I'm drawing, you know, it's, it's commercial time, so I'm really not paying too much attention. All of a sudden I hear, I'm gonna kill you. And I flipped around, and I don't even, I didn't see the name of the movie, who said it, what, what, and I, kind of pisses me off. Because that's what got me in trouble with my mother when I was five, I think. Wow. Yeah. So this day, that's what dudes sure do. What's that? Totally understandable. Yeah. To this day, you're not sure what movie that was, though. No. Now, if somebody knows out there, please email me, contact me through social media. I'd love to find out. I just that one line, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. My, my life would be complete if I could that. Is this your first visit to Colorado Springs? Yeah, and I could breathe just fine. You people are overrating this shit about the altitude. Yeah, go to the end. I was jogging this morning after sleeping for only seven hours after drinking the night before, and look at me. Ah! People. <laughs> tell you, man. Everybody's got to have something to say. <laughs> Step out from the crowd. But you got the Broncos. Congratulations. I was actually rooting for you guys. Where'd you go jogging? Check out the scene. Oh, I didn't go jogging outside. you kidding me? There's not enough air. <laughs> <laughs> I was jogging in a hotel room. I was on the treadmill. Nice 45 minute run. So you, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but... Uh, Share some of your thoughts about the current state of comic books. And, uh, I don't know what the hell's going on out there. Are you kidding me? You know what we do? None of us know what's going on. You know who knows Rob Liefeld because he's nerdy for that shit. Nobody knows. We sit in our studios and we like come out and we like, oh my God, there's the sun. And there's people that I kind of sort of know. I like their stuff because I'm on the internet all the time looking at it. Let's get drunk. That's what we do. <laughs> You don't know what that. We get a script. And that's what we're working on. I have no idea what Marvel's doing. I have no idea what DC's doing. Uh, what DC's what? what the, I should know about DC. I kind of sort of. Yeah. Them, you know. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> I was hoping you were going to shed some light on what DC's doing. What, what do you think can... of the DC movies right now? I mean, obviously oh, I, they're messing with characters that you worked on. Well, they're not messing. With, look, you got to understand. There's properties that belong to the company, and there are properties that belong to the movie company. So they change things up so everybody has a piece of the action. That's all it is, you know. And all this, all this is a good song. You like Incubus? Yeah. So you're a fan of emo Superman? Uh sure. <laughs> yeah, emo Superman's great. He's awesome. He's my favorite Superman of all time. Yeah, it's it, it's you know, but once you understand that the, the business aspect of it, you know, you really can't. You know, it'll kill the nerd in you. So I, I don't, uh, I don't know why they do the things they do specifically. I mean, uh, okay, all right, you can draw the line, you can follow a trail. It's always about money, but you know, as far as decision making and and and, and editorial ed- edict, uh, edict, is that the word edict? Yeah. Yeah. As far as that goes. I really couldn't, uh, I don't know the rhyme or reason. All I know is that, um, like any form of art, but then you can hear it in music, and you can see it in sports. Uh, whenever capitalism becomes the major force behind the thing, uh, they start, they start, um, signaling out, they start pointing out the things that work. 
And if it worked great before, it's going to have to work great again. And nobody's buy counts, so it's a piece of shit. So, you know, for all the hair bands that come out in the night, in the 80s, you know, it takes one freaking Kurt Cobain to come along until eventually it becomes Puddle of Mud, you know. Um, and then after that, it's just, you know, whatever, you know, and then they're waiting for the next wave. That's the way money works. Money doesn't know how to make money. It just knows how to take money. And they put the shit out there, let other people make it for them. And that's where we got them by their short hairs, you know, because they can't live without us because we're the we're idea people. But, you know, if they actually let us do more of the ideas instead of saying, no, 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 this character can't smile. No, 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 this character has to be happy. You know, no, you know what? It, no, <laughs> no, let us be creative. We will make you a ton of money, but you would know what to do with it anyway. You know, because there's only so many things you can do that are redundant. And to be honest with you, it was actually a breath of fresh air for me to do Hammer Rewards because I was away from everything that was being done before. And I don't have to do people in tights, you know, and then hear how people think I can't draw anatomy. Fuck you, of course I can. <laughs> so, what books do you read on a regular basis now? I don't read comics. At all? I read scripts. I am. I'm reading, you know, I'm reading Rumi. I got a pocket Rumi. You know, he's from the uh, Middle East. He's, uh, I think he's uh, 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 Lebanese, I think. No, 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 I'm, not, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Khalil Gabon. He's, um, I think he's Iranian, uh, like the 1300s. Wrote a lot of beautiful shit about love. That's what I read. And I'm also reading uh, um, uh, Rise of the Fourth Reich. Um, I, read, uh, you know, I don't like fiction. Ironically enough, I don't like fiction when I read. I want to read autobiographies. I want to read uh, philosophy. I want to read psychology. I want to read uh, uh, history, historic events, real history, you know, because um, I'm an information junkie. So, no, I, I, honestly, comic books? No, man. A chef goes home and he puts shit in the microwave. Why? Because he's tired of cooking. Yeah. You know? Seriously. So you talked, you know, talking about doing the work and how it's work. Yes. So what? What's your art that's not work? What do you do to recharge? You know, because you can there get is out. no art that's not. You know, there's there's just the idea that I'm actually going to do some self-publishing one day, and when I do, I'm going to hate that too. But at the very least, I'll be in complete charge of it, and uh, if I can get a uh, you know a couple hundred people to go for it, then cool. Yeah. Obviously, if you like listening to music, um, is that what you're doing while you're working? Is just have music in your ear? There, there are. This is my day. I start my day with uh, progressive radio. I listen to a lot of politics. I listen to uh, Bill Pressman. I listen to the Stephanie Miller Show. Um, I listen to Tom Hartman. Um, there's, uh, I'm, a, I'm a liberal. I'm a bleeding motherfucking liberal, and I will kick your ass until you accept that. Any conservative thinks he's going to mock me? No. <laughs> no, sorry. I don't play that game. Um, I'm all for, for all people who aren't an asshole, like it says on my Twitter. If you're an asshole, I got nothing to do with you. So I, I, a lot of that. Occasionally, I used to be a bigger sports fan. Then I'll switch over to ESPN and I'll listen to Hanna Humpy and, and Canty, but you know they're just a bunch of trending, they, they, they're trend talkers now, talking out of both sides of their mouth. And you know when you realize they're just trying to, you know, poke you, I got nothing to do. So. I'll, I put that away now. Then I'll just I'll go to Comedy Central. I'll watch the President Show, which is hilarious. I'll, I'll catch up with um, uh, Trevor Noah and The Daily Show. I've always been a big Daily Show fan. 
then I'll, you know, check out, see, you know, go to YouTube and subscribe to uh, uh, Last Week Today. Uh, last Week Tonight, I mean. And uh, then I'll just listen to to uh, uh, documentaries, you know, a lot of documentaries. Or I'll watch... Okay, you want a nerdy answer? <laughs> I'm watching The Defenders. I just saw the first season. It was a very slow thing, and I'm sick and tired of ninjas. Let's do something else. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I try to watch what where the companies are taking their properties. You know, because I know what's going on in comic book, sort of. You know, I, I didn't know, but I... I can surmise pretty easily, you know, where they're going to do it, but where they're taking it in other mediums. Or me yeah, uh, it's just, that's why I pay attention to. And uh, I, like, uh, I like Netflix a lot. And I, I just started, um, shit, what the hell's the name of that? I, I'm, I, I can't think when I'm grooving. Was it Curiosity Stream, was it? Right? Curiosity Stream. Does that sound right? Yes. Uh, Hugo back there just gave me the whole yeah. So yeah, Curiosity Stream and yeah, I just have documentary junkie. And then I'll just jam out the tunes. My iPod kinda of busted though, so I'm trying to get my buddy to fix that. And you know, I only got so much space left on my phone. I put too much shit in there. How about how do you go about discovering the music? Oh, wow. You know, back in the day, you actually have to listen to a radio. Yeah. I brought, you know, it's funny. Uh, whenever, you know, off occasion where I actually get to play a video game, which is not often, I like to play the sports ones, and they have a lot of, they have a kick-ass soundtrack, so I'll listen. That's where I discovered The Rapture. You know, I like those dudes. And, um, or I'll watch a documentary. I've got this one song by an Ethiopian singer called Gigi. You know, um, it's a beautiful song. I don't know what the hell she's saying, but I know I read up about it, so I know what the song's about. And so, but you know, but I don't know. I just, I just, I got big ears. I listen to everything, and if it grabs me, I, I you know, go for it. I've been, I've been in, in, a, in a big Chris Cornell trip lately oh, since yeah. he died. So, listen to a lot of sound What one last question, real quick? You seem to be kind of playful with your image and everything. Do you ever? You know, get an anonymous user and get on chat boards and just screw with fans. Oh, yeah. I used to be, all right, years ago, which I thought maybe 10 years ago. <laughs> this will solve somebody's mystery. Um, I was, Jeff Johns had his message boards, you know, because I was with Jeff and we were doing the Hawkman and all that, so I was part of his little group. And I, I went up, I, I, I went on as El Mustachio. And I forgot, I forgot the name of the place I, I, where I was from, but if, you, but if you actually unscrambled it, it says Rag Morales. So nobody caught on to it, and after a while I kind of got bored with it. But I was like on there, and you know, it was great. I, I had a lot of fun. I was, I was, I was, I was the dumb El Mustachio nerdy fan who didn't understand comic books, but thought he had every answer. You know, like, like when they were doing the, when, um, when the Clash of the Titans came out and they did the new movie, you know, they, they were, just before they did the new movie, I was talking about how I, I was so excited I couldn't wait to see if, if they were going to make Cyborg the, the, the owl or not. <laughs> you know, so it was cross-pollinating things. I was up late at night. I'm going to fuck with people. You know? But that's about it. That's all I've done. And there is no image. This is me. It's who I am. No, I love it. Alright, you cool? Yeah, you got everything? Alright, good. Glad you stopped before you got to my spank thing. <laughs>
Well, again, I want to thank Rags for taking the time to sit out and talk with us. I mean, that was really cool. Um, really cool thing to be able to do and kind of hang out in more of a more of an interview setting than a you know normally chasing around cons and stuff. So that was pretty cool. Um, and it was it was interesting working with a couple other guys. We had a couple other interviewers who were up there with me. So that was cool. Anyhow, uh, I really do enjoy that part of the stuff Colorado Springs puts together. Um, they do a pretty good job setting things up, and this year's show was no exception is from what little bit I've seen of their other shows, and the last year's show was pretty good, too. Um, so if you get a chance, the Colorado Springs Comic Con, definitely worth a try. Uh, it's a smaller venue, but they have got a lot of people and a lot of cool celebrity types, and they do a pretty good job putting on the show. Um, all right, so... Uh, do uh, Rob, what'd you learn today? You should come up with a name for that segment. It's like things you learned. That's a terrible name for the segment. Rob, what'd you learn today? Um, I, I learned that seals are flammable, especially when they're covered in oil. That is a hard and, thing. And to fire learn. is involved. That's, well, of course. I, I don't know if that's really something that I should learn. No, no one should. No, no one, no one should. How about, at all. How about instead, I learned that. Um, the old Z Nation can teach children soldiers how to shoot uh, rhinos. That's not a good thing to learn either. No. And he's not talking about the TV show The Zombie Nation, which is what Z Nation is. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. That's, I'm sorry. Oz Nation. There you go. That's a lot better. <laughs> it's like that show of being in prison that was on HBO. I think that was just called Oz. It's not where the <laughs> guy with the straw hat and the Tin Man live. That's a no, that's, no. That's the Wizard of Oz. Okay. Well, okay. Ross, what did you learn today? I learned that if you're going to drink alcohol on a boat, you should at least use a cup. It's true. It's, it is a hard. That's true. Thing if, if you decide, like, hey, I'm just going to rock this whole bottle, it's going to be bad things. There's going to be consequences, and evidently, it's going to be parking on seals. <laughs> nice. Uh, Rob, what did I learn today? You learned that in a dimension full of kittens, Wolverine has found a true peace. He's right. I do love the dimension full of kittens. <laughs> and I feel like Wolverine most of the time. <laughs> so I was having your secret Wolverine diary, you're like, I don't know if I can face reality anymore. That's true. You think it every <laughs> the time. Kitten, the kitten world. It's just too perfect. Yeah. It's so cute and cuddly. <laughs> it's true. Everything you do is amazing. Um, alright, so let's do a little bit of books to watch. Uh, Ross, do you have any ideas of books to watch? Yeah, I keep reading the Teen Titans. Right. Yeah, even past this Metal Titan stuff, it's been really good. Regular Titans has been awesome too. Um, and I think they finally got Aqualad in there in a way that is mostly acceptable. Yeah, yeah, I like, for Teen Titans, I like so that's what awesome. they've been doing recently with the Aqualad in there. But, uh, past story with. Black Mana was really cool. Hmm. Um, and so people who've just learned that Black Mana is a thing, the last few issues for Teen Titans. Yeah. It's a good choice. Yeah, good good ones to read. Uh, like I said, Regular Titans has been pretty awesome. You know, some pretty crazy things there. Superman and Super Sons, you know, I can't miss either of those. Yeah, They're definitely both really, really of win. And then uh, I'm pretty sure there's a new Hot Dog and the Werewolf coming out. And That's not what the October. name of that series is. It's, it's called Hunger... And yes, there is a regular series coming out. It should be fantastic. <laughs> uh, Rob, you got any books to watch? Uh, Astonishing X-Men is fantastic. Probably at this point, I think the strongest of the X-Titles is coming out. But um, 
Definitely been blowing things away with that. Um, we just wrapped Secret Empire, so if you haven't read that, you need to check that out. Um, surprisingly, a lot of the legacy books have been really good. You mean generation books? I'm sorry, generation books. Yep. Yeah. Um, gosh, and I guess then the, the next one is just to keep an eye out for uh, for the Atomic Clock. I, mean, I think that's for DC. That's you got a Doomsday Clock? Doomsday Clock, yeah. Okay. That should be good stuff. Um, well, I say keep rocking metal if you're not already, because um, it's been it's been entertaining, interesting stuff. Uh, issue two is in; it's definitely crazy. Uh, as far as uh, books on the horizon, well, uh, let's go with another book that's currently happening. Like elsewhere, I love it. Now I know a couple of shows back I mentioned it. Now issue two is finally coming out of the stores. I still dig it. I mean. I can see a pathway for it, but this is the one with uh, dealing with alternate history for um, D.B. Cooper, Amelia Earhart, and maybe some others. Um, I dig it. I think it's cool. Um, I guess I'm fairly easily entertained with that idea. But I do like that. Uh, there's uh, Scavengers of the Wasteland. No, Tinkers of the Wasteland. Mm. I dig that thing. Um, it's Issue it's, 3 came out this last week. It's very Tank Girl-esque, I guess. Um, but it is fun, like a wild book. It comes out from a smaller company. I cannot remember the name of the company. Um, which makes me feel sad inside. Uh, but yeah, Tinkers of the Wasteland, if you, if you dig Tank Girl style stuff, um, definitely up, definitely be up your alley. Uh, as far as, uh, other series, man, I feel like there was a new one from Image that I thought was gonna be cool. I still dig Shirtless Bear Fighter. I think it's hilarious. It's one of the funniest things ridiculous. in the world. Like, it is ridiculous, but it is so funny. I mean, the a character that just, his whole threshold is based on hating bears, and there's lots of reasons for him to hate bears. Me line it all out in issue three, <laughs> so there's some messed up stuff that happened. You wouldn't think bears could be so hateful, but man, they don't just want to sell you toilet paper. I mean, some of them do, but the majority of them don't. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, that's big, that's part of the story, too. It's kind of funny. And if nothing else... If you've ever wanted to see a jet covered in bear skins. Oh, yeah. This is the place to do it. <laughs> a bear skin jet. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of cabins made of bears, too. A lot of cabins made of bears, people. You hear what I'm saying? You know how warm that would be inside? Fuzzy? You need a, like, that fur doesn't feel good? It'd be like that, kind of. Yeah. Probably. It might smell not, not how you'd expect it to be. No, cool. that's probably true. It wouldn't be cuddly like I was hoping. Not like stuffed teddy bear cuddly. Anyway, yeah, good times. Uh, good times. Um, yeah, I feel like there was another one in there that was like, dude, this book's going to be the best thing ever. But now in my head, I can't remember what the hell it was, so I guess it wasn't that great. Future Quest Presents is awesome. Oh, Future Quest Presents. Yeah, that, the first oh, yeah. issue was pretty good, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do dig that. I like how we're rocking the Space Ghost origin story a little more. And lining out parts of that, making the kids, like, be there for training and not just random kids he picked up because he was bored. I like they tie it in to Herculoids. Uh, so good, too. Yeah. And cool. Mary Olivetti, who yeah. did the original Space Ghost. Oh, the miniseries, yeah. yeah. So the art's fantastic in it. Yeah, that's true. Future Quest presents, if you haven't seen that book, yeah, the art is fantastic. And you should get a chance, to, if you dig Space Ghost stuff, you gotta go check out the miniseries that was done back, I don't know, like five years ago, just titled Space Ghost. Maybe even ten. Yeah, you think it was that far back? Yeah. Gosh, maybe. Anyway, it's good stuff. Um, uh, is there anything else? Lads? Oh. No? That's enough for this time. I'm going to call it. All right. Well, uh, Tiki. Tiki. Tiki.
I wonder if people understand that. Probably not. They should. Google Cayman Rider. Yep. Cayman Rider V3. I bet if you listen to old episodes, even, I'm sure we probably explained it on the first one we did that. I don't think we did the first one. We probably did at one point. It was pretty close, the first one. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little bit fan. It's a mystery. you got to listen to all of them now. Yes. Yeah, you want to really have your mind blown, check out Kamen Rider X-8. Doctors mixed with masked superhero guys mixed with video games. <laughs> <laughs> Old in Japan, right?